Kia from your Every Nation Southside family here in Papatoitoi, Auckland. You are now listening to a podcast from our church service and we pray that you will be blessed by it. For more information, please visit our Facebook page or feel free to contact our church office. This morning, our text that we use or going to be using uh, is from the book of Luke, Luke 1. Uh, should be on the overhead there. And this is Mary's song. Um, why don't we stand as we read this uh, passage? Ready? And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. You may have a seat. Before we come back to this, uh, I want to first um, lay out what was happening before Mary comes to the song. An angel, Gabriel, comes to visit Mary. He greets her. Greeting, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And Mary is troubled by this greeting. She's trying to figure out what is this all about. Gabriel responds, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give him the throne of David, his father. Mary said a really important question at this point, because Mary was not yet married and hadn't been with anybody. And so the big question is, how can this be? I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be called Holy, the Son of God. So, after this, then comes to the next chapter, which we see Mary in the way that she writes the song. And what comes out of her in response to this visitation from the angel is really an incredible one. And one way I can perhaps portray this is by a story. In 2004, 2005, our church sent a, a group to Samoa. We had work that was done there. And during that time, uh, we still have some of the guys that are here that were involved in that work that we're going to do in Samoa. We planned to do a Bible college there, encourage them, and then we were going to do uh, a graduation. But during that time, we thought we'll take a team from here and encourage the people that was doing the NLI or the Bible course. So we had a group that was going there, and in amongst that group, 
was some of the prophets that we have in our movement, in our church. One of them was Pastor Ken, one of them was John Steele, and one of them was John Rohr. And so they were going to get there, encourage the group, and prophesy to all the different graduates. Uh, who remembers that? That was there. Okay, we still have a few people there. And so Nelly, and, uh, Nelly who's now in Brisbane, he took the band over there. And back then, Pastor Ken used to call him Nelly and the Nazarites. That was the name of the, the band that they used to call him. And so we were going to go over there, have church, and really encourage the people. Before we went, Pastor Ken said to me, Champ, there's a whole group of us who are going to prophesy, and I want you to prophesy. Now, the group that was there was probably about three times this size, and I had never done that before other than speak at Auntie Fatuna's youth group. <laughs> so before I got on the plane, I was it's like, God, do I really have to go? I know you want to use me, but this is just a bit too much. Anyway, we got there. The whole team is ready. And John Rua, who speaks internationally, he's going at it. One by one, he's going, he's prophesying. And then John Steele is behind him. He's walking up and down the aisles. He's calling people out. God's going to do great things in your life. You stand up. And he's saying this. And then Pastor Ken, he follows behind him. And he's prophesying this. And then he turns around to me and said, Ken, come. <laughs> now these guys, they are older than me by about 40 years. They've done this for... <laughs> Give or take. <laughs> so they've been doing this for years. Here I am coming up there. And he gives me the mic and he tells me, prophesy. <laughs> so it's like the room's like this. What is he going to say? <laughs> These great men have come up. I get the mic and this is what came out. Wow. And fail. That was that was it. That was my prophecy. That, wow, God is wow. Anyway, afterwards, Pastor Ken said, "Champ, come, let me talk to you." He said, "You know, the Bible is full of verses. Lots. Was that the only one you could come up with? That's wow." Anyway. That's what came out of me. Wow. Mary, on the other hand, came out with this. Mary, on the other hand, came out with this. Start from verse 46 and 47. Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. I remember Pastor Beto Chapa. He said, I don't care how much verse is inside of you. It's what comes out of you. It's what comes out of you when you're under pressure. We can speculate by Mary's response. She's only 15 at this stage. Only 15. Which in this culture was normal. Mary at this stage was to be married to Joseph, 
And in this culture, that was normal. And the way it worked in that time, if you were to be married to somebody, you and this person would be in front of a priest. And you would make a covenant or a commitment that you would live with them for a year. And in this year, you were not to be intimate. And then after this year, you would have a ceremony and then you'd become officially married. And so then in that context, when you look at the birth of Jesus, this truly is a miracle. When the angel visited her and said, you are to have a baby, that's why Mary answered that, asked that question. How can that be? I have never been with a man before. But perhaps the reason why Mary responded this way, my soul magnifies the Lord, is because of her upbringing. Mary is Jewish. She would have been brought up in the law. She would have been brought up on going into the temple. She would have been brought up of going to there during the time of the festivals. She would have heard the book of the law. She would have heard the stories of Joshua. She would have heard the story of Moses. She would have even heard the story of Deborah and thought maybe that's one of her heroes. But we can speculate in her response, I will magnify the Lord. My soul rejoices in my Savior. What a response. What a response. I will magnify the Lord. One example that comes to mind is a magnifying glass. I can just hear in my voice some of those naughty kids, magnifying glass, I know what you're going to do with that. Not the intended purpose of what it's made for. <laughs> but a magnifying glass, when you put it on something, it becomes bigger, right? It becomes bigger. A little bit like a telescope. See a telescope, when you put it out there and you look at planets and the moon, the reason why you're looking at that from a telescope, it's because it really is big. Its glory and how magnificent it is, it really is big. In the same way, this is what Mary is saying. Make the Lord big because he really is big. I love how one writer puts it this way. We are like telescopes that when we look at God, we magnify his glory. Beautiful picture. So we see in Mary's response here, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And I hope I respond like that when adversity comes my way. Moving on to the next verse. So verses 46 and 47. Mary really is looking at her God and rejoicing and magnifying. Verses 49, 48, and 50. I love the ways that she responses. So again, the story is that when Gabriel comes to visit Mary, Mary is unaware of what's about to take place. We have the privilege of that because we've got the Bible right in front of us. We see the story from beginning to end. We see it uh, in Luke's account that when the angel come to see Mary, Mary was not aware of what's about to take place. And what I mean by that is that 
the world is about to change. Never be the same again. And so Mary's response to the angel is almost critical when we sit here today. In the sense that she didn't really know all the information. One really critical one. But yet, in taking in all that has happened and how the angel has told her what is about to happen, I love her response. Her response is found in Luke 1, verses 38. And Mary said, Behold, let it be done to me according to your word. Let it be done to me according to your word. In other words, what she said was, I don't really know how this is all going to happen. This is kind of new to me. I know you need somebody else. But if you said it, then let it be to me. What a response, right? What a response. I'll give a comparison in the same book. The story of Zacharias. The angel comes to see him. And he tells him that your wife is going to have a baby. And his response is found in Luke 1, verses 18. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know? How shall I know this? For I am old, and my wife is advanced in age. Now, let me give you a little background about Zacharias. Zacharias is probably in his 70s. He has been working in the temple for such a long time. He knows the rituals of the temple. He knows what happens with worship. He's been around the presence of God. He's been around the people when they worship. So obviously, he would have been the likely candidate to say, let it be done unto me. But his response is, How can this be? Two very different responses. One who's been around for such a long time, the other brand new. I don't want to leave any parallel stairs for those who've been in the Lord for such a long time. But we can learn something new from Mary and her response, right? Everybody say amen. Amen. So, Verses 48 in Luke 1. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generation will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. One of the ways I relate this from generation to generation it's the fact that Mary said, yes, let it be done unto me. And because of, of her saying yes, we are now privileged to have that very same understanding of Christ. Because of Mary's faith 
or humility that she said, let it be done unto me. But what about us here? What about us? How can we pass that on to our kids? You know, Christmas has a way of uh, bringing pressure. Christmas has a way of bringing uh, anxiety that is quite different in the way that the Christmas story is. And that's because of the drive to sell things in Christmas. That's the drive of uh, re retail to, uh, to sell all those things. But this really speaks to the heart of us who know the truth about the story of Jesus. And one way we can pass that on to our children is by telling them the story of what it's really about. One way we can pass it on to our kids is not really by making it about presents and gifts. One way we can pass it on to our kids is by preparing your hearts even now before the day comes. You all know what it's like as you get closer to Christmas. Very chaotic. Very hard spiritually to try and get things going because the business and all those things are good things and they're all priorities. But we're talking about passing some, something on to the next generation. Is this good? Moving on. Verses 51, 52, and 53 of Luke 1. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from the thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty-handed. When I read this, I felt that the song was really about praising God, how good God's been to Mary until I got to this part. I felt that Mary in her jubilation was also giving us a warning in these three lines. And I think the warning is this. If you're proud and you let other things sit on the throne and you let those things be your God, it's not going to be in a good place. In fact, if your heart swelled up so proud, uh, it says here that he scatters the proud. In fact, uh, he's brought down the mighty from their throne and exalted those who are humble. There's something about our neediness and humility that God loves. There's also equally something about when you make material things, pride, in place of God. So I, I, I see that there's a warning there for Mary. Don't do that. In fact, you can see it in there. The poor, he will meet their need. God loves the humble. In fact, here's a few verses. James 4, 6. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Psalms 25, 9, he leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. Even in this passage, if you look at how Mary 
is joyous in the way that she sings this song. God is really for the underdog. He's really for the little guy. The guy who's needing and needing food, God will meet his need. Can you see that in there? Take it as a warning. While Mary is jubilant about her song, there's also a warning that's in there. The last part. He has helped his servant Israel in remembering of his mercy. As he spoke to our father, to Abraham, and to his offspring, offsprings forever. This reminds me of how God has kept his promise through Abraham and fulfilled through Mary. And when I think about that in relation to us, God hasn't forgotten about what we go through. God can see Our trials, our, our tribulations, the things that we struggle with. And this verse, which is from Luke 1, 37, still in the same story. This is when the angel comes and meets Elizabeth and tells him what's to happen. And at the end of this verse, her response is, for nothing is impossible with God. Only four other times that this is in the Bible, and this is one of them. For nothing is impossible with God. One of the reasons why this is so important is because if I was to ask everybody in here, is there some impossible situations that you need God in? I'm pretty sure most everybody would raise their hand. I love the fact that these two humble ladies, Elizabeth and Mary, God used them because of the way that they responded when the angel come, spoke to them what was going to happen. I guess the challenge for us is in hearing this story, this is really short, but my aim this morning was short and sweet, hard and fast. Luke 137, for nothing is impossible with God. That verse is only a verse. It makes a big difference if you believe in it. Mary and Elizabeth really believed in that verse. And this morning, I want to encourage you. We really do need God in our lives. He's been so good to us. You can look back through this whole year and say what a journey it's been. There's been some ups, there's been some down. But I thank God for his grace that's got me here. And in closing, I want to leave you with this. Nothing is impossible with God if only you believe. Amen? Let me pray.